This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Of course, I want to start the show thanking Honor Athletics for being our first sponsor. Reach them at honorathletics.com and mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. Or dial them for some great personal service at 770-945-5150. Thanks. Hi, and welcome back. Sensei Michelle says hi. Landon is saying hi. Sensei Jackie's saying hi. Are you going to say hi, Sensei Andrew? I'll say hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to talk a little bit about ego. I've had a lot of requests to talk about ego and managing ego. And I'm going to start out by saying when I've just looked up ego in the dictionary, the way the dictionary describes ego and what we are going to talk about are not the same thing. So start me out, Sensei Jackie, by just giving a brief definition of what the dictionary is telling us. The dictionary is telling us that ego is the entire man considered as a union of soul and body. So, it's And then egotistical, which is right after that, right? Or egotism? Egotism is addicted to, and they use the word addicted, to this idea, this uh, union of soul and body. And so that is not what we're talking about is any kind of union when we're discussing ego as a distraction in karate. Can we all agree on that? That, that that definition doesn't fit what we're talking about? What yes. do you think there? Sensei yeah, I'm struggling to figure that one out. Yeah, me too. The, def- the dictionary is vexing me, but we're going to have a philosopher. Please come on, Josh, <laughs> and he'll help me understand that. So let's try to define what are we talking about when we're talking about ego. I don't really want to go first. You want to go first? You go first. Well, the ego that we talk about when we say leave your ego at the door of the dojo before you come in is... Maybe your preconceptions about how things should go, uh, where you see yourself in life. If you're a, a dominant person in outside life, you have to leave that outside. So it's who you are, and it has a negative connotation, I think, the ego. I agree. Uh, it's a negative connotation. It's a, I feel like the, we talk about it, it's a self-centeredness. Okay. Want to add in here? Well, I'm not sure if this is correct, but when I think of ego, I think of, like, how great you think that you are. Okay. I don't know if that's correct, but, like, great. how, Could not we... self-centered, but, like, I don't know, like, I understand, but I don't know how to say it in words. But I think you did say it well. And I am going to say that I think that ego is when your validation comes from the outside and, therefore, your actions are dictated by what what reaction you want and not by what is true inside of you. Now, that doesn't match what they said at all. So I wrote down here, ego is just complicated. It is just a complicated thing. Too complicated, I think, to do in theory in a podcast. Unless you're standing in a room with somebody and ego comes up, then you and your sensei, you can attack it together because the trust between the two of you has grown and Neither person is trying to manipulate the other person in an unsavory way, only for growth for both people. That's the beauty of martial arts altogether in a nutshell right there. And so without that factor of the physicality, the dojo work, you could talk theory all day long and you would never really understand completely how to compartmentalize an ego that gets in the way. The ego doesn't allow you to admit that you're not correct. So if your ego's in the way, you're always correct. No one can say you're wrong, and you can't accept 
any new knowledge. And therefore, you can't grow. Right. And we've talked about this many times, about how the, the big growths come when you mess up. Right. right. Well, it reminds me of the teacup story. Sure. If your cup's too full, you can't fit any more tea into it. Right. And you guys can Google that. Plus, we did mention it already in another podcast. So that's a very, very, very famous story. Okay. Master Collegian used to say, the reason that it's, Im- that it's important to contain your ego is because it's one la- less distraction to manage in a fight. So when you're actually in a fight, if your brain is thinking about anything but the very millisecond you're in, then you're done. That's an interesting mm-hmm. way to look at it. He was an interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that definition of why learn to manage ego, because other people would argue that ego makes you be better than Johnny beside you, and that's true, right? I want to jump higher than he jumps. I want to move faster than he moves, whatever. And I understand that, and I even see it in my dojo, and, and that's a fine, healthy, comp- competitive attitude. But when it's you and you and only you, and you're still concerned with someone else and some sort of outside source, then you're not in that frame of mind that you need to be in to literally save your own life in an emergency. Mm-hmm. That sounds, to me, that sounds like linking ego with emotion. You need to get rid of the emotion when you're... Hmm. Okay, a lot of thoughts are mixed with a lot of emotions and vice versa. Don't you guys think? What do you think? I do feel that there is an emotional component. If I'm measuring myself against someone else and I find that they're anything more than I am, then some kind of an emotion uh, comes into me and I have to manage that emotion, which is also a distraction. So what I'm hearing is the emotion is a byproduct of the whole situation that came up inside you. I'll go there with you, for sure. And as everybody knows, I'm a musician. I have to keep my ego in check in the orchestra, because I may have a conception that I know I should play the part this way. Well, that may not work with what my colleagues want, what the conductor wants, and he'll say, no, do the opposite. Well, I have to put my ego in check to say, well, okay, I have to acquiesce and I have to do what he wants, never mind my own ego and say, well, I don't like it like that. I'm going to have, I just have to do it. And and yet that brings me back to group kata in the dojo. Right. You have to sublimate any ideas that Mm -hmm. your, your way of doing the kata is better than anyone else to be part of the group. And and what a great uh, teaching technique group kata is. And understanding that the the outcome that you want is joint kata and not who does it best. Us. When Master Collegian used to talk about the word ego and, and most other things, he used to use the word dissolve. And it always itched in my mind the word dissolve because that implied to me that it went away forever and it never did in me. It sometimes would come back, like you were saying, when you're working and you know the better way, but you have to compromise for the work, not because the, the conductor is correct necessarily. So I always use the word compartmentalize. How do you guys feel about terminology, that type of terminology? Do you have words that you use in your head? I always say I'm putting it in a Ziploc bag and closing it, but that is compartmentalizing it. It's just how my brain thinks of it. Me too, because I've learned that from you. Thank you. And for me, it plays out something like this. Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, ego just rears its ugly head. And I'm like, well, I'll be darned. I did not see that one coming. And then I have to, you know, 
pat it on the head, put it back away, and get on with the day. Thank goodness it's not an emergency moment. What do you think? What I do is I put it into a category. I say, okay, for this situation, I'm going to use this. And as I've matured as a musician and as a person, I guess I'm able to do that better than when I was younger. I would get very upset when I was younger. I said, no, it has to go this way. And I'll <laughs> carry a grudge because I was forced <laughs> to do it the other way around. But I, I try not to do that anymore. You have matured, Sensei. <laughs> so let's finish this just with our limited amount of experience on what is your favorite tool to compartmentalize your ego. I think Jackie's going to say she drops it in the Ziploc, but go ahead and, and say it your way. That's what I do. I try to drop it in the Ziploc, close the Ziploc, and continue on by paying attention to what else is going on at that time. I just, I become humble, I think. I, just, I try to recognize, oh, there's more than one way to do this. Back off and, and try to learn from the experience. And I'm going to say that I play inside my own head the quote, when man finally reaches the center of the universe, he or she will be so surprised to find out they are not it. And I literally play that quote inside my head, and it brings me back to, why are you making such a big deal out of such a small thing? And the more you get quick at getting your ego out of the picture, that it comes to you quickly, the more chance you're going to be able to get it out of the way in an instant, which is when you're going to need it in the God forbid situation that you actually are in a reality confrontation. Check. Let's. Before I push on, I wrote out to about a half a dozen people to get information about how they felt about ego, and I only got one reply, thank you, Derek. He tells me that his personal connotation of ego is as follows. For me, ego is the feeling of overwhelming pride almost to an obsession, easily swayed to a negative space and usually used to make someone feel more than someone else. And his favorite tool to get it under control is a personality check. He says, if I see this or if it's brought to my attention, then I remind myself to be more humble. Sometimes I find it appearing in stressful situations, so I remind myself that the moment is just that, a moment. It'll go away so I can try to keep myself cool and calm. Again, thanks, Derek. So here's the shout out to all of you. If you're a listener and you have stories about ego in any way, shape or form, whether they complement what we just said or, or whether they're contradictory. We want to hear about it and we want to share them. Maybe working with your own ego, maybe in teaching with someone you found it, maybe not even in karate, but in school teaching or in sports where you had a situation that it just didn't overcome correctly or it was very easy to overcome inside of you or with someone else. I think those would be some great things. And if you share them with me, then we share them on the air, then everybody can learn from it. So ego is a perspective. That's the way you're looking at it. So I have this great story that I heard once about perspective. And even when and where it was told to me was interesting. And I've wanted to put it out in a podcast since we started. So here goes. I'm going to give it a shot. I went to a police graduation and the man was giving a speech. I'm going to tell this as if it happened to me because it should be told in the first person. But please remember, it's someone else's story. So I go to the airport and I'm waiting for my flight, and I'm going to go to one of those stand-up tables that are round, and you stand at them in the little area by the machines, and I walk over, and I get crackers. And I come over, and I stand at the table, and I put the crackers down, 
And I realize I want to get a soda. So I go back to the machines. I get a soda. And when I get back to the table, there's a guy there eating my crackers. He's opened the cracker package and he's eating one of the crackers. So I look at the whole situation. I set the soda down and I take the cracker package. and I pull it back over to me and I take one of the crackers. And this goes on and on. He takes the cracker package back and he takes one of the crackers and this goes on and on. Six crackers gone. They call the flight. So I say, okay, I pick up the the empty cracker package, I picked up my soda, I throw it in the trash can, and I go to the gate. And I reach in my pocket to get out my ticket, and when I reach in my pocket to get out my ticket, there's my crackers. So as it turned out, I was eating his crackers. He wasn't eating my crackers. And now, imagine how he tells the story. Isn't that a great little story right there? Good thing a fight didn't break out. (laughs) Over a package of crackers? I, it was really gracious on the part of the other guy. Maybe it's not even a true story. And again, it is not my story. I'm really sorry. I don't know the man's name. This was certainly 15 to 17 years ago when I went to that graduation. But the story has stuck in my head all these years because perspective is oh a percentage. And if you've listened to a couple of podcasts, then you know we make up percentages sometimes just for fun. Right. <laughs> so let's make one up. I'm going to say... Perspective is like at least 60% of the situation. 67.22348875. And I'm going to go 87 and a half. Wow, you're high. But I do think it is. Perspective, perspective is a is, lot. Because isn't the, the philosophical phrase, perspective is reality? Oh, I don't know. Are you going to play? Or are you going to no, say, you people I, are crazy? No, I'm, I'm not playing the percentage. <laughs> but do you think that perspective is a big percentage oh, of any of situation? It is. Oh, yeah. It can be everything. Yeah. Like if you're in a bad mood, everything that happens to you is bad. Right. You see everything as negative, yes. right? Yes. Well, you walk a mile in his shoes and you'll know what he's going through. So on the other hand, if your perspective is positive, then the reactions are often positive. And perspective is something we have control over right. because it's inside yeah. of us and it is 24-7. Today is actually a good example for me because I really, really struggled all day long to pull my perspective back. For some reason, it kept pulling me down. Maybe it was the rainy weather. I don't really know. But it just kept pulling me back down, and I kept dragging myself back up and saying, no, yes, you can. And I like how you say that that's what you have control over. One of my teachers says, well, you you don't have control over much, but you have control over your effort. And that's something that's That's a good one. And he says... I get upset when I see that kids are not putting their full effort because I know that they have control over that. Shout out to Mr. Gertov. <laughs> uh, Mr. Gertov. That's who did it? Yes. Nice words, Mr. Gertov. All right. So that ought to do it for us. Before we tell you how to contact us, I'm going to read two listener mails that apply to last week's history podcast. One was where I reached out to Sensei Lasorsa because I thought he might have some information about the Chinatown Dojo that we mentioned about Peter Urban, and he did. And here's what he wrote. Us. His Chinatown Dojo was about his third location in the United States. It was on Wooster Street, and it was called the Little Tokyo Dojo. The take on all comers legend belongs to Bruce Lee, but O Sensei Urban fought them here on the East Coast. If they showed up, were courteous and willing, it happened. That is one reason I've been told he suffered back problems. Many were military, recently back from the Far East, in good shape, and full of testosterone. Some of the Marines he fought, like Gary Alexander, produced statements from O Sensei when asked how he did against him, like, I survived. Such statements reveal 
O-sensei to have been very much a realist, as evidenced by our reality karate. I hope this helps. So thank you so much, Sensei Lasorsa. I also heard from a parent of a student who is also a black belt. Shout out to you, Sensei Mo. He loved the Chuck Norris jokes, and he said his sensei in Shotokan, Mr. Oshima, came to the United States in 1955, and he feels was very close to, if not the first person to be on the mainland doing karate. In 1957, he made his first public demonstration of the traditional Shotokan karate in the U.S. at the annual Nisei Week Festival in Los Angeles. So thank you for that input, Sensei Mo. We want your thoughts on ego. We have a new phone number. You can leave us a voice instead of typing. 954-350-1915. Or on Facebook or the webpage, both called Wildcat Dojo and at AOL Dojo Conversations. We'll see you next week. Say bye, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Don't forget to check out honorathletics.com or dial 770-945-5150 for all your athletic and karate needs and mention Wildcat Dojo for the 10% discount. Thanks for stopping by. We will see you next time on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.